is brought to you by Health Plans, your Medicare plans, insurance solutions, and resource agency. We have a variety of plans and products that fit your needs, benefit requirements, and budget. With many low or no-cost premium plans, zero co-pays, and much more. Our licensed benefits advisor's priority is your health and well-being. Call us today and book your no-obligation consultation. 1-929-367-5269. Welcome back to the iHealth channel, iHealth Radio, Radio Host Hurricane Age. New day, new show, new topic, new guest, an interesting topic, a topic of the hour, literally. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll rephrase that later on and explain why I said that. Uh, you know, we think about sometimes retirement, we think about Social Security, we think about, you know, uh, supplemental income in that aspect or something of that nature. But sometimes what happens if you have a disability? That's that. Do you get Social Security? And we hear about that. But how does that work? Uh, a lot of questions comes to mind when we talk Social Security and specifically disability. Uh, today, we have our, our our guest, you know, is going to cover this because he's an expert. He worked through the Social Security Administration for the, the administration. He understands it well enough. He also wrote a book about, you know, making it easier, revealing, you know, what Social Security disability is going to be. So we're going to talk about all that. Today with me, I have... Spencer Visions. Spencer, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I think it's going to be an exciting conversation. Indeed it is. Or, Indeed or it is. as exciting as Social Security and Medicare can possibly get, right? Well, let, let's see. I mean, uh, I think if you live in the States, uh, Social Security is part of your life. I mean, you're doing put, you know, dollars towards it, right? So so it is an investment. So I think I think people need to know about the investment. Yeah, what, <laughs> whether you know you're doing it or not, or whether you want to or not, that money comes out of your paycheck every two weeks. It'd be good to know where that money's going. That, that is correct. So I think I think everybody's going to pay attention. And if you are in other parts of the world, because this is obviously an, an international show, it doesn't matter because you get to learn about the system here. And some parts of the world is very similar, or at least it might give you an idea of how it operates here. If you have family, whatever the case may be, at best it's educational. <laughs> or make you feel very uh, privileged for being yes. in and not living in the United States and not having to deal with a ridiculous system like the one we have. Well, well, again, I do want to go there, but that's <laughs> that's a fair point because to your point, some places in the world, and we've talked, you know, in previous episodes or shows about you know the healthcare systems around the world, and they vary tremendously. And the states, you know, uh, we are a little bit more convoluted in the process, and uh, it is not as easy friendly system and you need to know how it is and who sponsors what, who pays for what, what what's in it for you, what you get out of it and the whole thing. And you mentioned Medicare. I, I happen to be working in the Medicare space, in the insurance space and managed care specifically. And it happens also to be the first week of annual election period, which is basically the AUP season in the States. So anybody who has Medicare uh, gets to choose a plan or, or drop a plan and do all different things, you know, with their Medicare. Uh, health coverage, and we can even uh, highlight some of that and what it means under the Social Security Administration. It is administered through the actual Social, Social Security Administration. So without any further ado, first thing is always, uh, Spencer, let's talk about your story, your history, and your expertise in this matter. And then, as I mentioned, you part, you were working at the Social Security Administration. 
And then we'll go about, you know, talking about, you know, to your point, the investment in this, you know, particular portfolio and what it means, what kind of dollars, where they go and how they operate. And then we can talk in general about, you know, what that means in, in retirement. And then let's specifically, you know, head into the, uh, the world of disability, because a lot of people think they are, uh, you know, they can get Social Security when they're 65 and over. But many people may not know that you can through disability. There are some requirements. And if you're also in there, you can just mix in a little bit about some of the updates on the Social Security Administration uh, post-COVID, because I know there's some process, you know, differences changing. Yeah, it's a good it's a good point. Like, we're not given any education in the United States about how Social Security and Medicare work. You kind of have to learn through like movies or TV that like, oh, Social Security, people talk about my Social Security in air quotes, (laughs) like it's just it automatically means retirement just because that's what we're conditioned to believe. Right. And as you said, we're taught Medicare. That's something that old people get. And, uh, and that's actually, I graduated from law school. I became a licensed attorney. And that is also what I thought because I had not been taught any differently until I was hired by the social security administration in 2010. At which point, until I saw that job posting, I literally didn't even know Social Security had a disability program. But then I was hired and I started doing disability cases. And I learned, oh, okay, Social Security is a disability program. And I had an extensive training. And I stayed with Social Security for 11 years. And during that time, I spent four years working in appeals where I reviewed a few thousand disability decisions. And then I spent seven years at the hearing level where I wrote almost 2,000 disability decisions for administrative law judges. Most people don't know that, but the judges, they don't write their own decisions. The judges give you one of these or one of these, or in some cases, one of these. uh, And then (laughs) a staff attorney writes the actual decision, whether it's favorable, unfavorable, or sort of favorable. And I'm the person that would have to go through all the medical records and actually write the fairly lengthy, fairly involved decision. And I wrote almost 2,000 of those. So I had a pretty good sample size to understand how the program works, what kind of evidence you need for what different impairments, where people get tripped up along the way. And I learned and I understood what people know and don't know about the system what pre- preconceptions they have, what they understand when the this they get into the system and their hearing starts, and maybe parts that they never quite understand. And so I wanted to take that knowledge that I gained when I left Social Security in the middle of 2021, I decided I want to, wanted to write a book. And that book ended up being Social Security Disability Revealed. And in that book, I tell you, Right here in the subtitle, I tell you why it's hard to access benefits, because there's a lot of reasons why the agency does not want you getting Social Security disability benefits. And of course, then it wouldn't be a very positive book unless I also told you what you can then do about it. Um, but that's a great place, I think, to start is that yes, Social Security does not want you getting disability benefits. And for people who think, why do they care? Well, as you know, Social Security and Medicare is kind of built the same way. Those systems are built for you to pay in for like 40 years and then collect benefits for originally it was for like four years until the average lifespan. Now 
67 is social security full retirement age. People die. The average lifespan in the U.S. is maybe 74. That's still only seven years. But when someone gets disability, they're paying in for a much shorter period of time and they may be collecting benefits longer. And the finances just don't work if too many people do that. So Social Security has a disability program. And if you're found disabled, you can get Medicare. But they really don't want you getting either of those things in your 40s. And they certainly don't want you keeping them for more than a few years if it can be avoided. And so they're going to make it really hard to get those benefits. And even if you are successful, they're going to try and take away those benefits every opportunity they can. Wow! Hold it, hold it. Uh, you just like blow my mind right now. I mean, this is this is like for real. I mean, I, I, I to be honest with you, like I, I've been in the business for long enough, not on but, but deal with Medicare and understanding the Medicare and the, the whole intricate stuff of it on the insurance piece of it. And, and this is the first time I'm hearing some of the things she's talked about, such as the the ability that they'll take it away from you, the ability, obviously. If disabilities disappear and you know they're not long term, you know that could be the case. We get that, but then also the concept that you said, the, the judge and and somebody from the staff is the ones making decision and making reviews of all those. Uh, that's all new, and and I think it's pretty cool to to hear this from someone who has the expertise. And thank you for sharing your background as being actually someone who ha- is of the law and and were hired because of your expertise and and your position as an attorney in there. And so it, it is a very, very, you know, almost like, again, shocking to hear what you just said that, uh, and, and and the contrast you said, you, know, you presented that is even more shocking, you know, because the idea that you pay 40 years plus, and maybe you'll collect it, because again, to your point, the span, lifespan, maybe now it's a little over that when it used to be, but the fact that it matter, you know, few people live longer, a lot more people live right in the, in, and we've known cases where people just, they retire the same day and they disappear and, you know, they go to the next life. And unfortunately, nobody gets to collect those funds that they, you know, really or people for. Or people die in their 50s and they never collect uh, any of them. That is true. I mean, there's no no time. Zone. And you're right. I mean, uh, but you're right. So for, for, for the, I guess that's the sad part. If you work all these years and you retire, you know, how long can you possibly make, you know, your, your investment back, you know, and, and enjoy that? And if you're if you're in the early ages and and you basically get it early, you know how long can you milk it if you want to call it that way? And I'm just being blunt about that word, and not that you do it intentionally, but you know how long would you have those benefits? These are like super questions that that really I would love your 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 input on. And yeah, the, these are. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, that that's that's important. I mean, the concept of being collecting social security—it's not like you can run away from it. You have if you work and you, it's deducted to your point from your checks. And, you know, and I think it has a limit to what, what level, I think it's 140 something thousand now, uh, this year where you actually get to the point where they don't collect anymore. The average person right. doesn't make that money. So I think most of us will usually, you know, continue paying the whole year before, you know, you get another cycle. Right. And I think it goes every year up, 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 up. So before you know it, that thing is like 200,000. So the average person will probably not see, you know, any hold, you know, in terms of paying towards this thing. And, and you're right. The disability, you mentioned something about you can get the care, you know, early on. I know from the insurance aspect, if you are disabled 24 months uh, with medical conditions that are actually, you know, proven and so on and so forth, you get documented, you can apply for it. And then I guess somebody in the staff as yourself will actually review your case and then determine if you're eligible or not. And then they grant you those for the medical aspect of it. I think, but from the financial aspect, there's a whole different discussion. So so let's just crunch that in for us, you know, because I think there's a lot in there to to, to really 
uh, just you know revealed. Yeah, so the numbers on the program get even actually more staggering. Um, over a million people apply for a social security disability claim every year. It used to be over 2 million. Now it's about over a million. There's about a thousand judges around the country and 200 hearing offices across the country. So there's tens of thousands of staff, including attorneys such as myself. And that's why the judges can't write their own decisions, because if you have several hundred thousand cases going to the hearing level and a thousand judges, that's too many cases for the judges. So the judges are expected to handle around 50 cases per month or about 600 cases per year. But do the math on that. That's about 12 cases per week at about 40 hours. They're spending between three and four hours on a case. And that could be seven, eight hundred, a thousand, fifteen hundred pages of medical evidence. Then they have to have a one hour hearing and then they have to they there's just no time for them to actually write a full, thorough, comprehensive decision. And so that's why the agency hires staff attorneys to write the decision. And then it goes to the judge and the judge can most of the time they just sign it. They don't even do any. They don't even look at it. They just sign it. But they can, if they want, do some edits, tinker here and there, and then sign it. But it's really, think of it like an assembly line. It's so massive, it has to be this way, where everyone is specialized. You have your front office people that mm. greet claimants, members of the public. You have people who put together medical records. The judge's job is to hold the hearing. There are attorneys that write the decisions. The judge signs those decisions. There are managers who actually mail them out to people. Everyone's got their role, and it really is an assembly line, and it has to be because of the massive scope of, of just how big this program is and how many employees there are and how many cases they handle. And you're right. Uh, you can get Medicare coverage if you're found disabled. And so part of the reason that there are so many people applying is some people need the monthly benefits. Mm. Some people act for some people, actually, they have money they own their home without a mortgage. Some people actually don't even really care so much about the monthly benefits. They want the Medicare coverage mm -hmm. because they have really serious medical conditions. And, you know, if you have cancer or something, that Medicare coverage is really, really important, right? Yes. Um, and, but the thing is, most Americans, it's not so much a choice. The thing is with the retirement, we can plan for retirement, right? You can look at how old you are today, for you and I, full retirement age is 67 based on the year we were born. And you can plan for that. I'm not saying everyone can because some people don't earn enough to be able to put anything aside. But you, in theory, could, right? But disability, it's, sometimes it just happens. Like you lift something one day and that's it. You can't work anymore. Happens at warehouses, construction sites nurse certified nurse assistants will go in to lift a human and they just something pops in their back and that's it they're disabled and since eight out of ten american households are living paycheck to paycheck with no savings when that incident happens and sometimes it's a chronic condition but like even with a chronic condition one day you can go to work and then there's the weekend and then like on monday i can't go to work anymore at some point something changes and Americans just don't have the savings and they don't plan for it. And it just happens. And yeah, you can go to unemployment or workers comp, but eventually you're probably going to end up turning to social security disability. But as we talked about, that's a system that doesn't want you there. 
that's going to put up barriers to keep you out. They're going to do everything they can to get you to not collect those benefits. For example, just time. You'll file the application. It'll be a few months until the initial determination. Over 70% of people are denied. Then you appeal, and you only get 60 days to appeal. Some people miss the appeal window. But if you do appeal, you go to reconsideration. Almost 100% of people are denied at that level. And then it might be 12 more months until you're hearing with a judge. So before you even get to the level I was at, where I was writing your decision, you're out of work for 18 to 24 months, during which time you have no income or very little income, which means you don't have health insurance, right? But we expect you to be getting care and documentation, even though you have no health insurance. So like you can see how the system is just set up for people to fail all along the way. And we talked about how some of your audiences in Europe, this is kind of what I was talking about, because you just don't have systems like this in other places. In a lot of European countries, as I'm sure you know, they have much more robust public benefits and social safety net systems. And I think it's actually much smarter because their care is often cheaper. It's better. You get it faster. And if you can get someone who's disabled and unable to work the care they need, better, cheaper, and faster, that 44-year-old maybe goes back to work at age 47 and works for another 15, 18 years and pays into the system, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas in the United States, we don't get you the care. When you stop working, we literally take away your health insurance and your access to good, affordable, health, quality health care. And then a lot of people just kind of spiral downhill. They can't get care, so they can't get documentation, so they can't get disability benefits because they don't have medical evidence. And then, you know, maybe they have to go back to work, even if their bodies can't handle it. And then some people, like, they get worse, and some people just die. And then, you know, you're dying at 52, and you're not paying into the system for another 13, 14 years. So Social Security disability has a lot of flaws and a lot of problems. And so when I was talking about how your European audience might be thankful that they're living in Europe. There are some, I have some really good reasons for making that statement. Well, actually it's pretty powerful stuff. And and frankly, listening to you right now and and getting, you know, just the numbers and how the process is. I mean, to your point, again, even at best, even if you get, you know, lucky and get approved, you still look into your point a, a decent amount of time between the time you apply and this is someone who is savvy, who knows what to go through. And, uh, you know, yeah. hopefully today we can break down what those steps will be. And, 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 and you know, you are going a year plus before you even get into a decision and maybe, maybe not. And then you said it, like you're getting loss of insurance, loss of income, loss of your health is not, you know, up to, to where it needs to be. And then now, in addition to that, you can't even submit documentation, and, and and those will be the same the same things that they will be requiring from you or requesting from you upon you applying. And therefore, if you can't have one, you can't have the other. It's almost it's it's almost like you're not in a win position whatsoever. Right. Uh, but but before we go, you know, further, Spence, I just for the audience purposes, can we define what is what is the definition that that Social Security does have for someone to qualify for disability, and what will be some of the uh, I guess the documentation and things that they have to submit and protocols to to actually get in front of them just to pr- right. present a case. So this is a great question because no, again, no one teaches us these things, right? So in the first part of the book, I talk about the difference between the two social security programs because there are two different programs and there's different qualifications. 
Part two, I talk about how Social Security goes through the process of, of deciding whether someone's disabled. But the basic definition for an adult is the inability to do full me medical impairments that cause the inability to do full-time work for at least 12 continuous months. And if we break that down, we find that that's a really strict definition. Medical impairments, sure, you can show medical impairments. Lots of people have medical impairments. But then you have to show functional limitations that limit your ability to do any full-time work. It's not the work you want to do, you used to do, we're trained to do, or we're educated to do. It's any full-time work in the national economy. And you have to show that that's the case for a full 12 continuous months. So like a broken bone can be a basis for disability, but like a regular broken arm, not going to last 12 months. Now you could fracture your back and have surgery and physical therapy and, and that doesn't quite heal in 12 months, but actually most fractures, not 12 months. There's a lot of medical conditions where you can be back to being able to do some kind of full-time work, six months, eight months. You don't qualify for social security disability. So right there, that takes out a lot of people, right? But as you were just mentioning, even if you can get documentation to show what I just said, to fit that definition, and even if you can somehow figure out a way to pay all your living expenses and support your family for 18 months, and even if you get all the way to the point of being approved, what I do want to talk about at some point is the fact that Social Security will not leave you alone. It's not like once you're approved, you're just good forever. Social Security... <laughs> will keep coming after you. And every couple of years, they'll send you a form saying, you have to continue proving to us that you deserve these benefits. And you'll have to keep giving them medical documentation, which might be a little easier with Medicare coverage, right? Because maybe you can actually see doctors then. Mm -hmm. But you have to continuously justify that you have a right to these benefits. And Social Security disability benefits, they're just not safe up until retirement age. So from birth, to age 18, to age 66 or 67, whatever your full retirement age is based on when you were born. Even if you get Social Security disability benefits, they can and are taken away all the time. So it's a really tough thing to be approved for in the first place and to continue showing eligibility for. And that's why I talk about in the book, later on in the book, after I talk about the hearing and appeals and all that, I talk about how a lot of people have this misconception that there's a lot of fraud, waste, and abuse within the Social Security or Medicare systems. And you know from the Medicare space, and I say for the Social Security, I can speak for the Social Security space, it's just not true. It's not possible. I worked for Social Security for 11 years. I wrote almost 2,000 decisions on my own. I reviewed several thousand more cases. The amount of medical evidence that you have to have over such a sustained period of time, it's massive. And for, for what? You're doing all of that and going through all that work and all that hassle for $1,500, $1,800 a month in Social Security disability benefits. The amount of time, effort, energy, and the cost to develop a medical record that you need in order to be found disabled by Social Security it's just, it's such that no one would ever go through that level of difficulty and pay that much money to get all that care unless they truly needed it. 
no one's defrauding social security because it you would it would just cost you so much more in time and money than you would ever get back in benefits so um mm -hmm. i just i like to dispel that myth because a lot of people who are taxpayers and who feel like oh i'm following the rules and those people in social security they're freeloaders and oh, they can work they can't work they've provided lots and lots of evidence to show they can't work and this is someone who wrote a lot of denials for people with really good medical evidence and lots of medical opinions and i wrote lots of denials for those people so i have a really good idea of the um, incredibly high bar that you have to jump over in order to be approved well Spence, thank you for clarifying that that's, that's a big piece of the, the, the discussion because you're right people have this misconception that people are taking advantage of the system and i think when that discussion happens they probably refer more on the medicaid side that's more than, than the social security but again fraud waste and abuse is is a big part of any legislation and, and regulation and we look at it from all from the insurance aspect you know from the provider side from the individuals who actually applying are they fraud in the fraud system are they trying and stuff but but you're right you can try all you want i mean they're gonna go through all this super routine level <laughs> And they're going to be like literally like looked at, you know, down under the, some sort of a microscope, you know, like a nuclear microscope, whatever those those super microscopes to actually get you to the bottom of this. Chances are you're going to get caught in the process and then dismissed right away. If you yeah, were you're even... definitely going to get caught in the process. There's, <laughs> yeah. there's so many different ways they catch people. Um, they have an investigations unit called, that I like to call the disability cops. And they literally it's like some detective novel stuff where they will literally spy on you with binoculars and follow you around and they'll watch you all day long to see what you did and then they'll go interview you and say oh what have you been doing all day i was asleep <laughs> to Oops. see if someone lies and then they're like oh that's funny because look at these photos we have of you at the grocery store um but actually a lot of people even the people who get referred for those investigations a lot of them are not lying and they're not trying to defraud the agency. You know, someone can have, just because you see someone at the gym doesn't mean that they're, that it's a fraudulent disability claim. Um, I know someone who joined a gym because they had gentle yoga classes. And that was the only way this person could get pain relief for her pain for a connective tissue disorder. And that that gym happen to offer these gentle yoga classes so like just seeing someone walk into that gym you could make assumptions but actually that person was trying to relieve pain there's other people who have mental health impairments a lot of veterans are the fittest people on the planet and they have difficulty working because of tremendous ptsd and anxiety and it's very real and they have very good documentation and so a lot of people like the way they medicate is they'll go to the gym and put earphones in and just lift weights and work out on their own where they don't have to talk to other people because talking to other people or being in an office setting or doing any work involving being around coworkers or customers, they just mentally decompensate. So there's another example of someone who you see walking into the gym and you think, oh, they're not disabled, but actually you can walk into a gym and work out all day long and have tremendous work-related impairments. But again, those people, they're not just like 
it, there's no automatic approval, right? They have to show all that medical impairments to Social Security and convince Social Security to approve them. But there are a lot of nosy people out there that like to spy on their neighbors and will report their neighbors. Oh, my neighbor was working and I know he's on Social Security. Well, turns out not only are you allowed to work on Social Security, it's actually encouraged for Social Security recipients to try and go back to work. And uh, representatives, if you have a hearing coming up, a representative will tell you, hey, you should try working. The judge wants to see that. So people think like, oh, I got you. You're working and you're trying to get Social Security. But it's actually allowed. It's encouraged. Um, and as long as you're reporting it and Social Security knows what you're doing, it's not a problem in any way. So, yeah, this, this is another one of the reasons I wrote the book, right? I want people to, under, to have education, to understand how the procedures work, to understand how Social Security makes decisions. But also, as you talked about, can you work? How can you work? Can I try and go back to work? Because 1800 bucks ain't a lot, even if you're approved, right? And also, it's something you mentioned is what kind of evidence do I need if I truly can't work full time? What do I need to prove my depression, my anxiety, my back condition, something non-visible like fibromyalgia or a respiratory condition like emphysema? What tests do I need? What if I can't afford treatment because I'm not working and I don't have insurance? Well, I have a whole section in the book where I provide a lot of kind of outside the box ideas of if you can't go to like a pulmonologist or an orthopedist because you can't afford it or they're not in your town, right? There are a lot of Americans mm -hmm. who live in a town of 3,000 people and the only doctors, either a family Probably. physician or yeah. the dog's doctor, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I want people to be able to have some ideas of here are things you can think about for low cost or free medical care. Here's ways that you can try and get that documentation that you need because I don't want anyone to, social security wants you to become disillusioned, demoralized, to give up and to walk away. And I want you to do the opposite. I want you to stick with it, be persistent, know the rules, know what you need to do, and keep moving forward. There's always something else you can do. There's always a next step in the process to pursue that those disability benefits that you've paid for through your taxes. Remember, just because someone isn't approved, that doesn't mean there's fraud, waste, or abuse. Anyone who files a legitimate good faith claim, even if you might not be approved, you're entitled to file that claim. You've paid for those benefits and you shouldn't let anyone tell you otherwise. And that's that's my main motivating factor in, in this book is I want people to understand the system, to know how it works and to not give up on government benefits that we're all paying for and that anyone who has a legitimate good faith claim deserves deserves to seek those benefits well thank you i have to say it's you, you've touched on some very very good pieces of, of information i would like to to really just take a minute just kind of re-highlight one yeah. is to your point the idea that you know you can work uh, it's recommended or encouraged uh, because to your point 1800 whatever is not going to cut them in the mustard hair it's not just going to happen especially in today's environment you know economically speaking 1800 is, is nothing these days can't even pay your rent you know in some parts of this the, the, the nation right um 
The other part is you, you said it, you you know, the idea of fraud waste is almost far fetched. It's too difficult to do and to to to, to really go to the system and, and prove it is that. The other part that you talked about is the the non-visible disabilities, which which I love what you said about PTSD and some of the other ones. And even like uh, the gym the example that you gave, someone is there to either get rid of that PTSD or you know do that yoga, special yoga business. And and you're right. Uh, we people have to understand. Certainly, you're you're talking to the federal government. They you know there's always you know uh, investigations in, on any of those cases, and people are gonna look at that and see whether you're doing. And you're right. If you're doing it dumb, you know, and you're playing games, you get caught. That that should be very easy. But if you're legitimate, you know that you're on on, on the case. You're not gonna go to show up to the gym and do like you know stuff where you're actually presenting that your back is broken. <laughs> that's not gonna work. You know, I mean that's. I mean, if you did, I mean, I'm sorry, but you deserve what comes to you later. But, yeah, but, but you're going to hurt yourself even more if exactly. you should be doing that. Exactly. So so not a cool thing whatsoever. But but you're right. It, understanding these dynamics and the angle is 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 really key. And I, I, you said it best, is that, that the system is not really for you or they don't want you to actually milk the system or, or take advantage of whatever. Although you're not milking the system in this case, you're actually just taking what you paid for. And I think that's that's the sad part about this. I mean, it's one thing I would say under Medicaid, maybe some people do some, there is some abuse level there because you may not, you know, you can get cash, whatever, and you do all the stuff. This is medical. This is body. This is, you know, your physique, your 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 status is actually, you know, impacted, not your just economical <laughs> economics that are being affected. And you can kind of play games and do things on the side. This is really, you can't. I mean, if you can't move, you can't move. You can't see, you can't see, you can't drive, you can't. Let's say your your job is driving now, but that that was an interesting thing you said, and I just 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 clicked on my mind. Your job is driving, you get an accident, you're disabled, God forbid, right? I know where yeah, you're going with that. Yeah, yeah. The the definition says, well, you you can do other things now. <laughs> you can do you can do telesales, right? You can work in you know, on a keyboard. So that means you still don't qualify just because you did that. Because in this case, there's other job that you can still be doing. You just are not going to be driving anymore. And that that's really I think that's that was that was I on the money there? <laughs> You're completely on the money. And let's figure out why you can't drive. Let's say it's vision. You could be a dishwasher in a restaurant. Let's say it's because you your legs don't work right. Uh you could do a sit-down job like uh eyeglasses repairer. These are actual jobs that go into decisions. Uh let's say the issue is um your arm movements, right? You could do a standing job, like ticket taker in a movie. Eh, maybe not ticket taker, but there are standing jobs where you're you're not using your arms. You're standing and you're talking to people. Um, think about like a greeter somewhere, or someone who is giving a safety discussion somewhere. Like in theme parks, they have someone who stands there and tells you, "Don't eat, drink, or smoke." You could, you know, there's lots of jobs in the national economy for people who can't see well, can't hear well, can't speak. You know, when if you're a laundry folder, you don't have to talk to anybody, um, like in a commercial laundromat or a hotel. Um, there's jobs if you can't interact with the public, like dishwasher. If you can't be supervised very well, there are jobs with minimal supervision. So whatever your impairment is, it has to exclude all of these other possible jobs. And that the thing is, the, the Social Security employees, the judges and the attorneys who write the decisions, we're trained to know what impairments typically result in what work-related limitations and what specific limitations preclude jobs in the national economy. 
So think about this. What if you can't work a full eight-hour workday? What if you can't be upright? What if your sitting, standing, and walking combined is only six hours of an eight-hour workday? There's going to be no jobs you can do in the national economy on a full-time basis. And there are people because they have a knee condition, a back condition, a hip condition. A di- How about a non-visible impairment like cancer or a digestive disorder where it's difficult to stand? Uh, a lot of people with knee conditions, it's actually just as painful to sit as to stand. So there's even non-visible conditions, um, connective tissue disorders. It could be you're in pain all the time. From fibromyalgia, you're in pain all the time. With mental health impairments, you could have significant difficulty interacting with others, concentrating, remembering things, staying on task. I know these things because this is part of every case, right? This is the analysis that Social Security goes through. Mm -hmm. If you have a mental health impairment, those are the things we're thinking about. Do you have a substantial limitation in each of these areas? And if you do, what jobs are left? If you have a substantial limitation with supervision, if you can't have any supervision because like you just if if a boss tells you to do something you just can't handle it that might preclude all work in the national economy because unless you're self-employed everyone's got a boss so <laughs> even even when you're self-employed you still have a boss somebody is your boss is the hardest person to deal with when you're self-employed right I know. but anyway so so that's how social security makes decisions and so yeah if you get a driver or someone who works in a warehouse and it really doesn't matter what the person did. The thing is, when you're doing a job for 20 or 25 years, and you feel like, I don't know anything else. I know plumbing. I know teaching. I'm a doctor or a lawyer. Or I have a sit-down job. I was an accountant for 25 years. I don't want to go wash dishes in a restaurant. Social Security doesn't care. It's a federal program. And the definition, if you want to get those benefits, we look at the whole national economy. And we say, we don't care what you used to do. We care about what you can do. If you can do any job in the national economy, you're not disabled. Those rules are different for kids because kids don't work. So when for kid child cases, we think about functioning of a child as compared to a non-impaired child or an mm-hmm. unimpaired child. And that's defined in the law. Here's what a non-impaired child can do at various age bands. And we compare your functioning and decide if you're disabled. And then the rules get a little bit more kind for people once they get to 50 or 55 years of age, because the agency regulations recognize that it's really hard for older workers to transition to other work. But that's not until you get to at least 50. So if you started working at 20 and for 25 years, you did a particular job like driving a delivery truck and you were stocking gas stations, and that's a lot of lifting. Right. I've seen a lot of cases of those of, of those delivery drivers, local delivery drivers who, who like stock gas stations and they're constantly living, uh, lifting giant cases of soda and water. Right. And those weigh like 50 pounds. And when you're doing that all day long for 20, 25 years, those discs in your back gone, they just evaporate. And then you're in massive pain. You probably need oxycodone or some kind of other narcotic. Really, really common. Maybe you need surgery, but there's honestly only a li- very limited benefits from surgery at that point. Your back is just destroyed. and But you're under 50 and you can do other work, so maybe you're not disabled. Well, you know, it's amazing because I'm listening to you, right? And it, I don't know if this is too smart or maybe not too smart, but you, you are trying to prevent 
people from from doing all this, right? And for whatever means possible. And, and by the way, you said a couple of things that were probably a good way for people to understand that there are some conditions where you do qualify because of the way that limitation is. But in the event that you're not approved and now you cannot get the money, you know, all I'm seeing is that you're going to wind up going to Medicaid. And that money that you're not getting from here is going to come up to the federal government. Maybe, the but, Medi but Medicaid has asset income limitations. And so most people don't qualify, right? Correct. But if you if you lost your job for, for a couple, you know, a year, and, you know, you're now you tapped into your savings if you have any, and you yeah. have nothing, eventually you're going to wind up with, you know, with very limited. And again, depends how many household members yeah. you have. You it's can still possible. qualify. Well, I'm saying it's funny because when if the federal government is thinking about it from Social Security, like we don't, we want to cut this as much, but then you're encouraging these people, at least not even enforcing them, just sometimes they have no other choice. They'll wind up in the state, you know, programs, which are federally funded as well. So it's kind of like yeah. weird. <laughs> and, and what happens is, we talked about this already, if you end up on Medicaid, there's no, you the incentive to go back to work goes away. Whereas with Social Security, you can get Medicare, and you can get the treatment you need. And Social Security allows you to go back to full-time work and still get your benefits. It's completely allowed and encouraged. It's called the trial work period. I talk about it in the book, of course. And it's because Social Security, you know, if you were earning $100,000 a year, Social Security would, the government would love for you to go back to that job and go back to paying those taxes, right? So it's actually... In this regard, it looks starts to look a tiny bit more like Europe, where we are trying to get you the care you need and encourage you to go back to work. To say, you know, twenty grand a year, you you can earn more than that. Get the care you need. Take some time off. Get your physical therapy if it's mental health counseling and therapy. Get the care you need. Get your body back into shape so that you can graduate out of this program and go back to work and work for another 10 or 15 years. And, um, but, but that only happens once you're approved. And I don't want <laughs> people to think like nobody gets approved. A lot of people are approved. Take the delivery driver from a few minutes ago with that back impairment. You have to know what kind of evidence to show to prove that back impairment is so bad that you can't do any full-time work. You have to make sure you do that for a full 12 months. You have to understand what goes in a medical opinion and get your orthopedist to put a medical opinion with very specific language that that judge can use to approve your case. And then you have to know what to do moving forward as far as treatment is concerned so that when they review your case in two or three years, you can continue collecting those benefits. You don't get cut off. So whatever the impairment is, there are people who get denied and people who get improved. And of course, most people actually have a combination of impairments, right? It's not just one thing. And, but that's the key is you have to understand the system. You have to know where the barriers are. You have to know what kind of information you need. You have to know what goes in a medical opinion because those medical opinions from your doctors are the most important thing when it comes to whether the judges and lawyers at social security will approve you. Because we're lawyers, we're doctors. Our medical training is limited to reading the actual medical documentation and deciding if it fits within the law. But we don't look at you and decide if you're disabled. We take what your doctors say. And so it's really important to get really good medical evidence 
and good, clearly written medical opinions from those doctors that talk about your functioning so that the lawyers at Social Security can take that evidence and say, your doctor who knows you best gave us this opinion and told us about your functioning. And now that we know about your functioning, we can start crossing jobs off. You can't be a laundry folder. You can't sit, sit down so you can't do a sedentary job. You can't be a cashier for whatever reason. You can't do that. And then once you cross everything off, you the, the judge will ask a vocational expert, someone who's a jobs expert. They'll say, mm-hmm. here's all the limitations. Are there any jobs this person can do? And that person will say, there's no jobs in the national economy that person could do. And that's the best thing you can hear if you're a disability claimant. <laughs> uh, but you have to know how to get to that point. And I I encourage everyone to hire a representative, an attorney or non-attorney representative. And I talk in the book about how to find a representative and how they get paid. They only get paid if you win. You may have seen commercials that say, no fee unless you win. That's true. They don't get paid unless you win. But the thing is, what a lot of people do is they hire a lawyer and they say, I'll let my lawyer handle everything. I don't need to think about this. I got a lawyer for that, right? But because they only get paid if you win, and because they only get paid a capped amount of $7,200 of, benef- of, of, of your fee, that's not a lot for a lawyer when you're running a law office and have staff, right? It's a volume business for them. And what that means is these social security lawyers, they're really good, but they maybe only can spend an hour with you talking about your case before you're hearing. They don't get a lot of time with you. And so if you're asking them very basic questions during that time, you're not going to get very far and you're not going to give them the information they need to best prepare your case. Whereas if you've educated yourself in advance and you know how the system works and you know the five-step sequential evaluation process and you know what's going to happen at your hearing and you know who all the people are at your hearing, including the people who are going to talk about you even though they've never met you, once you know who all those people are, you can sit down and have a more informed discussion in the same way that if you learn about cavities, you can have a more informed discussion with your dentist. <laughs> if you kind of have some idea of how a car engine works, when the mechanic says it's going to be 3000 bucks, you can ask why and you understand what they're saying. It's no different. It's a legal proceeding and you have to give yourself some the basics. I'm not saying like go to law school, but Learn the basics of how the Social Security Disability Program works and how a hearing works so that you can work with your representative to present the best case possible. And that's really the winning formula. Though, from my experience, from writing almost 2,000 decisions, that's the people who get approved, the people who know what they're doing, who learn about the system, who know what kind of medical information to get from their medical sources who get really good opinions from their doctors because they tell their doctors, I need you to put this specific information in your letter to the judge. And then who go and hire a lawyer and work with their lawyer to present such an airtight case that social securities, the judge looks at your case and says, this is such compelling evidence. I feel like I don't have a choice, but to approve your case. Well, so so a couple of things, first of all, thank you for that piece about, the encouragement part about getting back in the economy, because to be honest with you, no one wants to be disabled, right? I mean, it's not a choice. Like, yeah, I'm going to plan to be disabled. I mean, maybe someone can like, you know, if I do disability, I'm going to get paid. But really, how much are you going to make at the end of the day, right? You can do better 
you know, in other aspects. Maybe it's very, it's very little, and you spend more than you'll get on all your treatment, and you're in pain all the time, and it's miserable. Yeah. People who are on disability. That, that's something that not disabled people think. That's a misconception, right? But people who are on disability, they're in pain all the time. They're miserable. There are days they can't get out of bed. And their treatment costs them more than they get in benefits. And, and you, you said, I mean, when you're in pain, I mean, you get just a headache and you know how bad it is. You know, this is not something you want to you claim for the rest of your life. And especially, especially, as you said, this is not something you're going to just show one time and just disappear and be like, you know, in your merry way. You're going to have to be a little consistently, you know, disabled and, and, and you prove that that is going to be difficult. So to your point, it is very hard to to just fathom the idea that someone will just kind of play this game. And if they are, like you said, they're they're meant to probably fail at first stage. But but one element that you talked about and you know you talked about representation and understanding the dynamics of Social Security and how it works and getting educated and then also getting the doctors to. So there's two pieces to that. One is, you know. People need to know where they can go get the attorney, and I think that's probably the first order of, of the things because yeah. you know I, because to me, if you go to a doctor and yeah, the doctor says, "Well, you here's what you need," then they give you the wrong information. You probably just lost the case because you didn't submit the right one. So if you get the right piece of advice correctly, and you'll be able to to get exactly this is your condition, this is what you need. Have your doctor write this. That's one. The other one is that your doctor, right? Uh, not everybody has a good relationship with a doctor. That's one. Uh, right. Some people don't have, you know, uh, they don't see the doctor frequently. And sometimes they just skip doctors and just change doctors. So you don't have that religion when you go to doctors like, hey, doctor, I need to really to do the doctor also don't have the time to really get into this. And this, they have to fill in this and understand it and put it. Maybe they don't even want to be involved in this because they might be, you know, asked to testify, whatever. Right? I don't know if that's even the case. But so yeah. so that that could be a challenge for someone who has never I mean. Like you said, I'm working 25 years. I'm happy and doing my thing, and all of a sudden this is happening. It's sudden, and now I have to deal with all this stuff, and I may not have the resources to do all this. And I'm talking about the ability to go to the doctor and get the right documentation. And now, now that's that's an issue. So for people, you know, if you do have, you know, if you think you're ill, or if you're not, if God forbid, you know, you just you know do your regular routine stuff annually, you know, your doctor keep your doctor. That's just an advice. Keep your doctor relationship ongoing. I actually I prefer when someone has one doctor that they actually that know you inside out and they know your health. They have history. I think that's always going to be more because they know that you're doing terrific and boom, this is actually def definitely <laughs> something. Yeah, heavy. but can I can I say something on that? The sure, financial yeah. aspect is why it's really important to know the system before you go to your doctor because maybe you can only afford one or two visits, right? And maybe that doctor's only going to be spending ten or fifteen minutes with you. A lot of doctors. You know, quick exam and they're out the door. And so it's, you got to know, you know, here's my condition. Here are the questions I need to ask. Here are the test results I think I need. And here's what I need the doctor to put in the medical report. And so you can't be thinking about that when you're sitting in that doctor's office. You need to go in with a list. Like, I need to hit all these things. And I, I need to ask these questions. Doctor, do we need an MRI? Can we get it? Do I need a referral? Okay, an x-ray is good enough. How many x-rays? Where would I go to get those x-rays? What is that x-ray report going to say? Would an MRI have more information than the x-ray report? Because I need documentation for my disability claim. I'm not faking anything, right? It's just about me asking about how can I get the most comprehensive record possible? So I need the most documentation. So I need to know what kind of exam I need. 
I have, I have pain in my back. Is a physical exam enough? Can you do a physical exam on me and put that in your report and that's enough? Or do you think we need to pay and go for, through the expense and hassle of an MRI? And, and those, so those are really important. And other impairments, it's a breathing test or a blood test or a saliva test or a urine test, depending on what the impairment is. Mm -hmm. And then for mental health, it's a whole different thing, right? Where you have to go through evaluations with psychologists and counselors and you have to talk about the specific, here's why I can't work. It's dealing with other people. It's leaving my home. I'm anxious all the time. A lot of veterans, I can't tell you how many reports I've seen where veterans um, say, like, I go to the grocery store and I'm in such bad shape that I can't even go grocery, do something as basic as grocery shopping because every time I turn the aisle, I get an adrenaline hit. I know there's nobody there with a gun, but it just looks so much like it did when I was in Afghanistan that even I just can't control it. I get that adrenaline hit as though there's going to be someone there trying to shoot me. And it's not logical, but it's it just happens. And I can't go to work because I can't be having adrenaline hits every five minutes all day long. You can't function in that kind of environment, right? So, you know, as we conclude here, I think it is important to think about um, why you need the book. It's education. It's knowing what to have in your medical records. It's knowing how Social Security is going to make decisions. It's knowing how they're going to lie to you and gaslight you. But it's also knowing about what is going to happen at a hearing and if you lose, how to appeal. Knowing every stage along the way, from when you're with your doctor to applying to going to the hearing to appealing, all along the way throughout the process, wherever you are, or your friend or family member, or whoever you might be getting the book for or reading the book for, where that person is and what the next steps are and how you can best help them or help yourself. Because you really do have to be your own advocate. And if you're someone, if you can't be your own advocate, have someone else read the book for you. If you have a friend or family member who has some kind of neurocognitive disorder, or for any reason you know they can't be their own advocate, step up and be their advocate for them and read this book for them and help them through the process. Because to circle back to what we talked about at the beginning, we all have a lack of education on anything until we learn about it, right? And Social Security and Medicare are not things that were ever taught about in school because the government wants to make it easy for you to pay into the system and difficult for, for you to get benefits out. And the way they do that is they make it mandatory to pay in and they give you no education for paying out. So that's what I've tried to do. I've tried to give people the education they need to think about, do I need and how can I get social security and Medicare before I get to my mid sixties? Because those benefits are there for you. There is a disability program. You're paying for it anyway. And if you need those social security or Medicare benefits, whatever your age, don't let the naysayers talk you out of it. Don't let Social Security talk you out of it. You've paid for those benefits. It's called an entitlement because you're entitled to receive them if you qualify medically. So go get the benefits you've earned. Spencer, you know, it, it, I think you, I was going to tell you like what would be the best advice. I think the best advice we're going to hear, and it's not a, just to promote a book, really get the book because it has the core elements that you need. I think all of us in this world, and especially if you live in this age, 
we need to at least know what that this should be in every household because I think that's the guide that God forbid it's like an insurance. If you have something, what do you do? You go to the source and you know step by step what you do, and then you probably have a better chance of getting your benefit as opposed to if you didn't know and you're just gonna wing it. There's a good chance that you have expert lawyers out there and, and the system will probably be against you and it's gonna be very difficult. And, and again, take it for someone that has been in on the flip side of this and understands the two the two sides of the coin here. It's a very, very big, you know, uh, you know, component that you really have to uh, get familiar with. I mean, it's the, the book is available. I'm assuming on Amazon, right? Or uh, yep, Amazon, yeah. Apple, uh, Bookshop.org. You can get it from your library. Perfect. It's an ebook and paperback. All of the places to get the book. We got links for everything and links to all our social media right at our website, which is BishonsPublishing.com. B-I-S-H-I-N-S Publishing.com. But if you've got that Prime membership, you can also just go straight to Amazon. You'll find it. All right. Well, listen, thank you so much because that's easy. And I'll make sure that the link uh, to, to the book and where you can get it is on the description of the show. So please check it out. Go to it. You know, and that's the other thing. Never say this is not going to happen to me. And we may not. We, we don't want this to happen to anyone. But it does happen all around every day for people that probably didn't think that it's going to happen to them and or the family members. So any one of us is, is we're not, you know, immune to to disability god forbid we hope that we wish and we pray that that doesn't happen uh you know but but even if it doesn't happen to us we might know someone that we can assist them somewhere and if you also a social system a worker or you work with people you might want to educate them that there is some other way to actually get so i get those questions all the time about social security what can we do with this and sometimes i don't have the answers and you know it's important to know that this is a resource that can be there for people so I know a place you can find some answers. <laughs> I love it. Social Security revealed. That's it. That's it. Uh, this, that's it. That's simple as that. I mean, you can't get long. Well, you can't even remember. You can't even forget that title. <laughs> Social Security disability revealed. Revealed. That's it. It's, it's all available. It's all yours. And the information is there. Uh, Spencer, it's been so real. It's, uh, thank you so much for for being on the show and for the the opportunity to share with us your wisdom and your knowledge and and really bringing this to the surface because a lot of people can benefit now from this and hopefully uh it will serve some light will help some people you know uh get through this you know with the least amount of i guess uh disappointment and hopefully with the best results and eventually hopefully they get better and they go back to the work and, and everything's good but at least while they need it they'll get the, the benefits that they work towards yeah and thanks for having me my pleasure folks uh, i hope you enjoyed this this show today thank you so much for being with us for watching and for listening in i'm your host we'll be talking soon we're dating show and topic talking now.